In a few moments, uh, Kevin is going to be talking to us about continuing on habits of grace, and this time habits of hearing, and particularly focused on the Bible. And we're going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and if you'd like to turn to that, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 10, it's on page 843 of the New Testament section of the Bible. And the context here is that Paul is approaching the end of his life. And he starts out by talking about what's going to happen in the last days, when people are going to turn away from the truth. And then he has an exhortation to Timothy. And basically what he's saying to Timothy is, regardless of what you see happening around you, regardless of persecution and hardship and betrayal and false teaching, you stand firm on what you know to be true based on the Holy Scriptures. You stand firm and you do what God has charged you to do. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. 
Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I send Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors uh, at Cornerstone, and what a delight it is to open the scriptures uh, together with you. We began a series last week um, that we are calling Habits of Grace, where we're, we're talking about developing habits of life, practices of life um, that um, are in the, the stream where the Holy Spirit works, uh, that are on the paths where Jesus is prone to walk and pass by. And so uh, we're talking about uh, spiritual disciplines and, uh, and, and exerting spiritual uh, grace-filled effort in our life of following Jesus. Now, as a church, we believe wholeheartedly with all of our heart and in grace and um, that we are freely received as children of God, not by what we have done, but by what Jesus has done, not according to anything that we earn, but, or have worked to deserve God's love, but because of his grace. And yet we're talking about effort and we're talking about work. Um, and so in, in the, uh, the image of the sailboat is, is helpful for us in understanding this. That, um, that we're, so as we talk about these practices and we talked about fasting last week, as we talk about reading the scripture this week, what we're not, talking, not, what we're not giving you is a pair of oars and say, hey, row the boat. What we're, do, what we're saying is, here are some ways in which we can exert effort to raise the sails and raise the sails so that the wind of God's Spirit would blow and move us and change us and transform us. And so we want to place our lives by the patterns of our life, by the habits of our life, place our lives in the, the way that Jesus passes by, in the, in the places where God has promised to work and, and bless and, and change us and grow us as his people. See, the truth is that we are shaped by what we continually do, that the habits and the practices of our lives, the, those rituals we go through on a daily basis have a, a, a shaping effect on our love, on what we love, what we're all about as, um, as people. And so um, not only do we do those things that we love and, and are uh, committed to, actually those things that we then do have uh, work back and have a, an effect on our, on our loves, on our affections. And so I was thinking about that this week. That um, For the last, uh, I don't know, it feels like eight months or, or so, I think it's been about eight months, our family has been immersed in the practice of getting to the arena and uh, spending all day Saturday running around, uh, all around Niagara, from Dunville to Fort Erie to Grimsby and Niagara-on-the-Lake and everywhere in between, to get to hockey games and to get to hockey practices. And so we have devoted an incredible amount of time to this, uh, really this, this practice, this de- devoted so much time to this sport um, this year. And um, I was thinking about that, that that has a shaping effect on, on our affections. That when you devote so much time and, and you spend so much time around the arena, it's so easy to get caught up in thinking, hey, my kid's pretty good. I think you can make it. 
how do I get them to the next level? How do I get them to the next, you know? And, and you get caught up into the politics of it all. And it has a shaping effect on, our, on what we love and what we're committed to. And so as a family, we've had to make decisions and consciously make decisions that demonstrate that hockey is not our God, that God is our God. That we have priorities over and above these things. Sometimes that's gone over okay. And other times not so much because as, they, as, as the kids, right, as they give so much time to, you know, week by week and seems like day by day, you know, getting on the ice, practicing, practicing down in the basement, their affections towards this game get shaped. As what we, what we do habitually has an impact on us, um, on what we love. And the reality, too, is that um, as we go about our lives, we are shaped by the habits of our life because we only have so much um, potential decision. Like, there's, we only have, we have a, a, a cap on how many decisions we can make in a single day. And so we, we run on autopilot for most of our day, right? You don't have to consciously decide. Think about getting up in the morning. You're not consciously deciding, okay, so... What do I need to do now? Okay, I need to have a shower, and I got to shave, and I got to brush my teeth, and I, um, and by the way, I shaved this week. Thanks for noticing. A number of you have already talked to me about it. Um, so I got back into that habit. Sherry's happy. Um, so, but you don't, you don't consciously make those decisions, right? You're running on autopilot. You're getting your breakfast. You're getting dressed. Like, you're getting ready for your day. We, we only have... Uh, the capacity for so many decisions in a day. And so we rely on, on, on running according to our habits on so, many, on so many things. We rely on our habits to actually get things done. And so there's a few decisions that we have to make day by day. And so we rely on those things that are automatic, that have become habitual for us. And so that's why we're calling this series the habits of grace that we what we want to do is as a people be formed by those habits that God has promised to bless so that we would know him more and experience his presence and experience his um, his adoption of us, his love for us in an increasing way. And so last week we talked about fasting, which is um, as the the beginning of the season of Lent as we prepare ourselves for Easter and we participated in what we called the Grace Initiative. And if you weren't here last week, you might be wondering what these things are up at the front. And what it is, is just an invitation for, uh, for you to uh, enter into this season of Lent and fasting and prayer for God's grace to break into people's lives. That's all this is. And so if you weren't here last week, it's not that you've missed out and you can't participate in this. Uh, I invite you to take one of these cards and maybe you catch up on the podcast on what last week's, what fasting is all about um, and how it's connection with prayer um, and our desire as a church to be a, a church where God's grace is in regularly invading people's lives so that people are coming to taste and to see that God is gracious and good and kind. And so as a, as, as a people of God, we want to be formed by that. We want to pray for people. But the, the most practical thing we can do for people and to love them is to pray for them. And so we're uh, giving some sort of expression of fasting throughout this week, uh, these, these six weeks leading up to Easter and, and prayer, especially asking that God's 
um, saving and renewing grace would break into people's lives so that they would taste and see that God is good. And so uh, this morning we're coming to um, the, uh, what we're calling Bible intake, uh, the habits of hearing, hearing from God, hearing his voice and receiving his word to us and receiving his truth and his heart towards us to be people of the book. We want to be people of the book. I want you to see some verses. These are just illustrative verses, but uh, Psalm 73, uh, verse uh, 25, 26 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, the greatest thing that I believe that you can do um, as a follower of Jesus is to cultivate a devotional life that helps you to experience the nearness of God. That's the most important thing that you could do as a follower of Jesus, to develop devotional habits and practices in your life that will facilitate the intimate nearness of God in your life so that you can experience God like this, that God, there is nothing on earth that compares to you. So if I lose everything on this earth, but I still have you, I will not be shaken. That if my heart and my flesh may fail, if I get sick, if I suffer loss, if I experience something devastating, your nearness will be my good. That you will still be my portion. That you will still be the best thing that I have. The greatest thing that you and I could experience this year is to enter into devotional practices that would help to facilitate greater intimacy with God greater nearness to him so that should you lose everything you still have everything you still have him and so as we talk you know and, and that so that's the kind of people we want to be is those who are growing in our intimacy with god because it it won't happen accidentally i want to say to to know that this morning that it's not going to happen accidentally for you to grow in your intimacy with god it's not going to be you know, you're not going to wake up in June and say, boom, I feel so much closer to God now. I don't know how it happened, but I feel so close. No one accidentally grows closer to God. There's an intentionality about drawing near to him. And the scriptures say that if you will intentionally draw near to him, he will draw near to you. But we have to be intentional about this. We have to. So this is going to be a highly practical talk again this week. And so the first thing I want to say is that the scriptures are key to experiencing a relationship with God. That the scriptures are key. They're not the only thing, but they're key. They're central even in experiencing a relationship with God. The scriptures are absolutely necessary to experiencing our fellowship with God, relationship with God. How does the psalmist know that there's nothing on earth that he could desire besides God? Because God has revealed himself to him. You see, God has given us the revelation of himself of who he is, of what he's like, about what he loves and what he's all about. So as he sees God in the scriptures, the psalmist David is able to say, there is nothing in this world that compares to you. See, the scriptures are key to our relationship. God initiates relationship with us by speaking to us. He initiates relationship with you by speaking to you. Now, this is not how you enter into a relationship with God. But this is the primary way that you experience a relationship with God. You becoming someone who has a devotional life, who reads the scripture, who, who takes in God's word to you, doesn't make you a son or a daughter of God. But it is how you experience the intimacy that God wants to have with his sons and daughters. 
You become a son or a daughter of God through faith in Jesus. So I'm not saying that you having a devotional life is how you become a Christian. It's how you experience your Christianity. Reading the scripture is how you bec- not how you become a son or a daughter of God, but it's the primary ways, one of the primary ways you experience what it means to be a son or daughter of God. So it's like in the, in the Old Testament, in the Exodus, God brings his people out from slavery in Egypt, and he brings them to Mount Sinai into the wilderness, and he gives them his law, he gives them his word, he gives them the instructions of an affectionate father, and he says, you know, I've delivered you out of slavery, I've saved you from the oppression, I've saved you um, from slavery, and I've made you my people, my sons and my daughters, so so now I'm going to give you my instructions, the instruction of an affectionate father. This is how you can experience me. This is how you walk with me. This is how you can come to know me more. And so this is what it's going to take for us. That you and I, having a greater time in the scripture, more quantity and more quality time in the word of God as you experience more of the devotional practices of taking in God's word. So it's cultivating a relationship with God. See, relationships, all relationships involve listening and responding, right? That if I'm trying to have a relationship with my wife, but I'm never listening to her, or I'm never responding to her and what she says, if she never listens or responds to me, we're not going to have a good relationship. We're just not. Some of us talk about a relationship with God, but we never listen to him. We don't listen to his voice in his word. We don't respond to it, and that's not a real relationship. You experience a real relationship with God by listening to him and responding to him. And the scriptures are the primary way that God speaks to his people. It's not the only way, but it's the primary way. As we read the scripture, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see great things in it. He speaks to us through it, and we respond to him. This is how we experience this relationship with God. Now, assumptions sometimes some of us make is that this is just for the super spiritual. Right? That that reading the scripture is just for the super spiritual. And some of us may come from a tradition where the only people who really read the Bible were the professional ministers. That normal people don't get to experience God like the professional types. And there's, so there's this kind of this assumption that God's not going to speak to me, that I won't get anything out of the Bible. But you know that there's this beautiful New Testament promise in the book of Acts where you know, Jesus has purchased salvation for his people. He's, he's also purchased the gift of the Holy Spirit for his people. And he's told his disciples, wait here in Jerusalem until the promised Holy Spirit comes. And, and so Jesus ascends, and 10 days later, there's 120 people praying together. And many of them are common folk. They're, they're fishermen, they're women, they're men, they're young, they're old, they're low class, some are of the higher echelon uh, of society. There's a great promise, though, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon God's people, it says young and old, male and female, servants and masters will prophesy, will dream dreams, will have visions. In other words, God doesn't section his people off and play favorites. He doesn't say, I'm willing to meet and to speak and to move in the lives of the only the super spiritual. This is for all of God's people. From the youngest to the oldest, from the poorest to the richest, from the malest to the femalest, it's for all of God's people. He certainly wants to meet with you. That if you know Jesus Christ today, listen, you have been adopted into the family of God and he is a father to you and every good father loves to spend time with his kids. He wants to speak to you. You never have to overcome God's reluctance to speak to you. You never have to overcome God's reluctance 
we only have to lay hold of his willingness. We only have to lay hold of his willingness, and so we have to have some time in the scripture. So if you're going to do that, second thing I'd like to encourage you with this morning is that you need a no exceptions time and place. A no exceptions time and place that you will spend with God. This focused time. And again, it, must be, it needs to become a habit. It needs to become a habit that we schedule in. Because if we don't schedule it in, life gets full and everything else schedules it out. Right? And no exceptions, time and place. To see it as an appointment with the most important person in the universe. Listen, if your boss says, hey, I need to meet with you about something important, be there at 7 a.m., you don't go and say, well, you know, I'm kind of busy. Right? If, if an expert in your field says, hey, I'd love to spend some time with you, but I've only got 6 a.m. available. I'm not going to say, hey, you know, I'm usually sleeping at that time. Right? You're going to be there. You'll, you'll make that. You will make that appointment. You will keep it. You'll put it in your calendar. And say, this is the time that I'm going to spend with the Lord. I'm going to read his word. I'll pray. I'm going to hear from him. Doesn't mean once you close the book on that time of the day that you forget about God, but and say, you know, I've checked box, I've had my, my time with God, I've taken my 15 minutes, my 20 minutes, my 30 minutes, whatever, and now I'm oblivious to his existence for the rest of the day. No, it's, but you spend your life in constant interaction with him, but there's this focused time that we need to spend the Lord. And you have to have a time and place, because if you don't schedule it in, everything else will schedule it out. That's what happened, that just happens, am I right? That if you just say, you know, sometime today, I'm going to spend time with you, God, you won't. But we need to make it a habit. We need to make it a habit. If you don't schedule that time into your life, everything else will schedule it out. So the third thing I want to say is have a plan. Have a plan. If you don't, some of you will have this note, exceptions, time, and place. You'll get there and you'll be like, ah, I don't know what to do. So we publish a reading plan. We put bookmarks out at the, at the beginning of every month. It's on the back of your bulletin. It's in the e-bulletin that we send out. We try to put it everywhere. Um, this reading plan so that actually as a church we're reading the scripture together and hearing from God together it's a fairly ambitious plan I'll admit that it takes you through the Bible the whole Bible once in the New Testament twice in a year it takes about 20 minutes a day for the average reader you might be slow you might be 30 you might be quick you might be 15 you want to read the whole Bible in a year spend 15 minutes a day 70 hours is what it takes to read the Bible how do I know that? Because of, you, know, you can download audio Bibles of people reading it to you. Did you know that? You can download it. You can listen to someone read it to you, and it's 70 hours. Um, and they're not reading fast. There's apps. Most of us have a device of some sort. We have a phone. You got an iPad. I prefer a Bible, like a book. I'm old school. But um, you can, you can, if you want to have the reading plan on your on your bible on your phone you can do that it's called the life journal reading plan that that's what we use you can it'll tell you open the app and it's like here's your readings for the day click here to listen to them if so you could be driving you could be driving if you want to just read for bread which is another one of my points later on point number eight i think um but we we want to just take it in this morning we want to take the scripture in and so maybe you're you're listening to it as you drive but have a plan and I'd encourage you, if you, especially if Cornerstone's your home church, why not step into our plan that we're reading together? And so you'll have brothers and sisters in the church. You'll be like, hey, what did God speak to you this week in the plan? 
All right, maybe you're like, man, I don't know, I'm, reading's tough for me. Maybe just read the New Testament passage. This isn't law. This isn't like, man, you, you're not a Christian if you don't do this. You don't belong if you don't do this. That, this is, there's grace. This is like, no one's forcing you, right? No one's forcing you. But maybe you're just reading the New Testament passages. But whatever it is, have a plan. Get a good translation to read. The Bible's not originally written in English. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. Most of the New Testament is in Greek, and we have translations of that. Unless you're an overachiever and want to do your reading in Hebrew and Greek, you're reading a translation. All right, so the Bible in the pew is the New International Version. I generally use the English Standard Version of the Bible. I think it's not necessarily God's favorite, but because I think it's a good mix between word-for-word literal translation and uses a readable word order. It's modern current language that's readable and accessible to people. So get a good translation. Have a plan. Next point. Oh, it's the next point. Read for breadth. Study for depth. Read for breadth. So, like, spend some time reading. But don't be, like, so forced to this reading plan. You're like, man, I got to power through. I got 15 minutes. I'm powering through this. And, like, we're so, like, if you're like me, maybe this is an insight into my weird personality. It's like, I love, like, checking the box. I love, like, getting to the end and be like, check. Done that day. And we're like, there's a sense of accomplishment and pride, I guess, or whatever. But don't, don't allow that push to check the box keep you from lingering over a verse. Maybe there's a question that you have. So, so the, you know, um, the, the, especially saints of other generations have talked about meditation on the scripture, chewing it over and just allowing it thinking on and, and for, for, for quality time, just, wow, what does this mean for me? Maybe it's like taking a, a verse like Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and you just focus on every single word in that phrase. He says, I am the resurrection, the life, and just spending, letting those things roll around in your head and your spirit and encouraging you. And what does that mean for me today? Our problem, don't, so don't let the push to check boxes keep you from lingering over a text. Maybe you want to spend some, maybe there's a season of your life where you want to spend memorizing scripture. Many of us did that a few years ago, right? Especially in Burundi as the conflict was coming and we, and um, and so the, the Hebert girls, like whom we love so much, were experiencing really a war zone. And, um, and so we, in solidarity with them, helped memorize Psalm 46. Right? Maybe some of you did that. You still remember. Psalm 46. Maybe it's, it, you want to spend a season memorizing. Maybe that's something you could do as a family. Is take a passage and say, for this month, we're going to memorize this passage so it becomes part of us. Take it in. And, you, and so you actually have like the Bible, the scriptures call itself the sword of the spirit, right? Like you do battle and sometimes you're out and you're facing temptation or you're facing something, some situation and you need a word from the Lord. Like, and maybe all you've got in your toolbox is John three sixteen, but maybe there's another passage that, that would be the sword at the time that if you would memorize and commit to heart, hide it in your heart. Psalm 119 talks about that. So spend some time memorizing the scripture. So no, not only reading for breath, but also studying for depth. Next thing, as you approach the scriptures, pray for inclination. 
I think one of the main things, one of our main problems when it comes to the scripture is not that we don't have enough time, right? Just cut out TV and Facebook. You have more than enough time to read the Bible for most of us. Our problem when it comes to the Bible isn't that we have enough time. It's not that the Bible's boring. It's fascinating. There are amazing, beautiful, life-changing stories in this scripture, life-giving, awe-inspiring stories. It's not even that it's difficult to understand. Our problem many times is inclination, that we're inclined, we're directed towards other things, that we're inclined to TV or internet or shopping or hanging out, and none of those things are evil, but what they do is if we're not careful, they can master us and take us away from time with the Lord. So pray for inclination. David prays it like this in Psalm 119, verse 36. He says, incline my heart to your testimonies, to your word, and not to selfish gain. Now, what's interesting to me is that this psalm, Psalm 119, is the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses, and every single one of them are extolling the scriptures, extolling God's word and saying, God, your word is amazing in 176 different ways. And so David, he's penning this, this, this poem that's just extolling God's word. He's so in love with it and so amazed by it, and he's saying, incline my heart towards it. He's like, some of us would, would struggle to get out three things that we like about God's word. He's writing 176 things that he loves about God's word, and he's still praying, Lord, would you incline my heart towards it? His heart is inclined to so many other things. Pray that God would give you an inclination, a desire, an appetite for it. Now, don't wait for the appetite. Jeremiah 15 says, your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Notice the progression. I found your word. I went after it. I became proactive with it. I read it. I took it in. And then it became a joy and delight to my heart. He didn't wait to feel like he would enjoy it before reading it. No, he read it. He consumed it. And he discovered a great joy in it. So pray for inclination. But don't wait for inclination. Now pray, nextly, next, nextly, nextly, pray for understanding. Pray not only for inclination, pray for understanding. Psalm 119.34 says, Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Now listen, it's not hard to understand the Bible if God helps you understand the Bible. So in 1 Corinthians 2, it says that the Spirit of God searches the mind of God and that if we're believers in Jesus, we've been given the Spirit of God. So we can know the things freely given to us by God. So the Spirit of God at work in our lives opens our eyes. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes so I may behold wonderful things in your law. So if we pray for understanding, we pray for open eyes. We pray that God would speak to us and wait for him to do that. And he will. He will open our eyes. He will help us understand the Scriptures. It says, give me understanding so that I may keep it and observe it. In other words, you cannot apply what you don't understand. If you read something and you don't understand it, you can't apply it. And if you can't apply it, then you'll never be transformed by it. And you won't know the blessing of being transformed, of being changed. So there has to be understanding in order for there to be application. And there has to be application for there to be transformation. And there has to be transformation for you to experience what it really means for God to be your joy and your delight. So pray for understanding. Now let me say a couple of things about understanding. 
Understanding comes from the Lord. You see, this Holy Spirit of God inspired the scriptures, and he also illumines our mind to understand it. So it comes from the Lord, so pray for it, but it also requires a process. So give diligence to it. Give diligence to understanding. When you read the Bible, ask some questions. Hey, what does this say? What does it mean? When I read what it says, what did it mean to the audience that it was spoken to at first? What does it mean for me today? How is it relevant today? How am I supposed to respond to this and obey this? This is where a study Bible may come in handy because you'll read some things and you're like, I'm not sure what that means. But there are people who are actually smarter than you, believe it or not, who've walked with the Lord longer, who've studied the Bible more and that do understand it. And so there's a stream of understanding throughout the history of the church that can shine light on a passage that you maybe can help gain some understanding from. So once you understand it, you're then able to apply it. If you need recommendations on study Bibles, come talk to me. I'd love to recommend some to you. Now, also, this about understanding. Disobedience, disobedience to the Scripture can be a block in your understanding. Luke 8.18 says, Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. It says, If you have the truth and you obey it, and you do it, you respond to it, then even more truth will be given to you. But if you have the truth and you don't do it, even the truth that you think you have will be taken away. In other words, you begin to lose some of the understanding that you had. Obedience is key. Listen to this fascinating fascinating passage in Hebrews 5. The writer of Hebrews is about to lay down some heavy truth. So listen to what he says, verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. About this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. What if I did that? Got some great truth for you today. Great things to teach you today. It's going to be hard, though, because you're so dull. Right? You won't get it. It's funny. It's kind of funny to me, at least. That would be somewhat offensive as well, right? But this is what he says. He says, I got some great things to teach you. It's really hard because you're so dull. You won't get it. He goes on then, verse 12, 14. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God, of the word of God. You need milk, not solid food. Or everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So he says, I want to teach you some great things. I want to dive deeper into the word of God with you, but I can't because you're still immature. You're like babies that need milk. Solid food, he says, is for the mature. You ought to be teachers by now, but you're still in that infancy stage. You still need milk. Now, listen, notice this, though, that solid food doesn't make one mature. Solid food is for the mature, right? Solid food is for the mature. I remember one of our kids, I think it was Ben, our youngest, and, like, we kept trying to feed him, like, as he was progressing, and, like, our other kids by this age, I don't know whatever age it was, but by, by this age, uh, they were already starting to eat more solid food, and he would just choke on everything, he, we, every time, like he should have been mature enough to take this solid food, but he would choke on it. And so we'd kind of have to go back up and go back to the pureed stuff and the cereal or whatever. 
But what if I, as his father, said, no, Ben, you're going to get this. Get this back in there. And put the food back in and shove it in there and say, you're going to grow up. Eat it or you're grounded, right? Like, that's not, that's not, what, you, that's not what you say to a baby, right? You, you give them what they need to, so that they can grow up and so that they can eventually take the solid food. Solid food requires more maturity. It doesn't make one mature. It's for the mature. So what makes someone mature? What causes someone to grow up? Well, verse 14 in Hebrews 5 says, constant practice of what they already have. It says they're drinking their milk and they're doing it. They're obeying it because they're growing. They're able to distinguish between good and evil. Because of that, they're pursuing obedience to what they do know. And so now they can handle more. So some of us may say, you know, I, the Bible's really hard for me to understand. And it might not be an intellectual problem. It might be a moral problem. The problem may be that you're not obeying the things that you do know. The problem may be that God has revealed to you and you've hardened your heart against those things and you're not growing so that you're not able to handle those more mature, deep things of God. So pray for inclination. Pray for understanding. And, and, and consider obedience. And as you read, next thing, as you read, look for the gospel. Some of us are, some of us read the Bible like a yearbook, a school yearbook, right? You get a school yearbook, and what do you do? You're going through, where am I? Am I here? Am I here? Am I here? There's me, there's me, there's me, right? You're just looking for it yourself. Some of us will read the Bible, and we're looking for the list of do's and don'ts. What do I need to do? Where am I in this? What's my role in this? But that's ultimately not what we need to walk away with. What we need to walk away with is not what, what does God want me to do for him, but what has God done for me in Christ? Some of us read that Bible like looking for what? Looking for ourselves. When the Bible is primarily about Jesus and what he's done for us. So remember, the Bible's one story from Genesis to Revelation about how God is rescuing this world in Jesus. That's what the Bible's about. Now that's important. So let me give you an example. So many of us know the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Every wedding you've ever been to, it's got this, this passage quoted, right? Love is patient, love is kind, love believes all things, hopes all things, love never fails. On and on it goes, right? This beautiful picture of love. This sounds so inspiring, but listen, if you listen to the love chapter and you're like, all right, here we go. Always patient, always kind. I need to believe all things. I need to hope all things. I need to bear all things. I never can fail. Love never fails. If you really take that seriously and say, man, that's got to be me. And some people say, right, write your name in there. Kevin is patient. Kevin is kind. Kevin never fails. Kevin believes all things, hopes all things, bears all things. Kevin never fails, right? That's condemning. That's condemning. Man, what a burden. If I mess up once, if I say an unloving word or an unloving action, all of a sudden I'm not measuring up, right? Don't write your name. Write Jesus' name. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus never fails. Jesus bears all things. And so if Jesus' love is in you, then it frees you to begin to love. So look for the gospel. That's really key, it's really, especially as you get to a Leviticus, right? You get to Leviticus and you're like, man, half this stuff is illegal today, right? 
We need to see Jesus in this. You need to see Jesus in the gospel in the book of Leviticus. When you see people, God telling people to take an innocent animal and lay their hands on it to transfer symbolically their guilt to that animal so that they can walk away free and they slit the throat of that animal. We have to see Jesus, that God is giving us a preview and Jesus is the full-blown motion picture. It points us to something truer and better and greater. So look for the gospel in every passage you read. And that'll change the way you read. If you begin to focus more on what God has done for you in Christ and less on what you need to do for God. You're like, man, I thought you were just talking about obedience. I'm like, yeah, it's both, right? It's both. Like, you still need to obey and believe. But ultimately, it's in believing in Christ that you receive the power to actually obey. Six more things. Don't give up. Don't give up. There have been times in my life where I've missed a meal, but I did not stop eating. I just made up for it at the next one, probably. I know it's hard to believe, but I have missed a meal or two in my life. You will miss some days where you don't read and you don't spend time with the Lord, and there's going to be a temptation to throw your hands up and say, See, I knew I couldn't do it. And you quit. But just confess it. Don't, like, this reading plan. If you're, if you're on March 3, and it's March 12 today, like, that's great. It's fine. Or maybe you just skip the day and stay with March 12. Like, there's grace for that, right? Don't give up. Don't feel like you need to catch it all up. The goal is not to read through the Bible. If you read through the Bible to avoid the guilt of not reading through the Bible, you're reading for the wrong reason. If you pray in order to avoid the guilt of not praying, you've prayed for the wrong reason. We read to know Jesus. That's why we read. So you may finish the year and your reading plan is half done. That's okay. The, the question is not whether you finished the reading plan. The question is, did, I, did you experience the nearness of God? Come to know Christ more. That's what's important. So what can you expect? If this becomes a habit in your life. Man, I'm going long again today. Sorry about that. Psalm 1 says you can experience a tree life like. You'll be like a tree firmly planted beside a stream of water. The roots will go down deep. Your life will become fruitful. There's flourishing. You become a blessing to other people. Your leaf does not wither. In times of difficulty and suffering, you don't fall apart. You're stable. You're blessed. Your soul thrives. Because your roots go down deep into the character of God that you've seen in the scripture. One more passage. We read, John read it for us, 2 Timothy 3.16. One more thing you can expect. I have to tell you this because I'm your pastor. I love you. I want to tell you the truth. I don't want to paint this with rose-colored glasses. What can you expect if you get into the word? Sometimes God will rebuke you. He'll correct you. If you're God's child... He'll never take you into the courtroom and condemn you, but he will take you into the family room and correct you. He will discipline you. He will bring you to tears over your sins. He'll break your heart over the way you've treated him and the way you've treated other people. He'll correct you and show you a better way, and he'll exhort you and encourage you, and he'll strengthen you and equip you to go out and do the good works he's prepared for you. I love the example of Paul here in, in, that, in 2 Timothy. He's like, he's in prison, Right? facing the end of his life and he's like I'm really cold so bring me that coat and bring me my scriptures 
Bring me, the, bring me my parchments. Bring me my scrolls. I want to experience the Lord day by day, right to the very end in his word. Because they're God-breathed, because they're inspired. 1 John 2, 14 says, I write to you, young men, because you're strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. I write you these things because you're strong. Why are you strong? Because the word of God abides in you. And what has that strength brought you? The ability to overcome the evil one. What can you expect if this will become a habit of your life? Is that if you get into the word of God, you meditate on it, you can expect to overcome temptation. You can expect to overcome the enemy when he tries to accuse you or discourage you, when he tries to call you away from the things of God. You can expect to overcome him. Why? Because you're strong. And what has made you strong? The word of God, which is Jesus abiding in you. There's a spiritual strength and vitality that comes to you when God's word gets into you. So let me close with this. The quality of your life will not depend on your circumstances. The quality of the next decade of your life won't depend on the stock market, technological advancements, or your health. It will depend on how near you draw to God. Did you discover him as your good? Should your heart and flesh fail you, he is still your portion, and there is nothing on earth that compares to him. That's what will make your life a great life. It will be in large part on how, how open and responsive you are to his voice in the scriptures. So I want to encourage you to start this practice. If that's not a part, if that's not a habit of your life, to have a no exceptions time and place with God in his word, I would encourage you to do that. So to that end, let me pray for us.